Welcome to the market sponsored by the CME Group. Dateline Friday, August 31st, Chicago. Hello again, along with Max Armstrong and a few other stars this week. Orion Samuelson here with you to talk about markets. And we'll probably put more emphasis on agriculture this week because we were at the Farm Progress Show in Boone, Iowa. A lot of people there, including Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, and we want to share our visit with the Agriculture Secretary here on the um, uh, markets sponsored by the CME Group. But first of all, a quick look at Wall Street. The S&P 500 and the Dow down and the Nasdaq edged higher in very light trading today. Investors reacted to the possibility that a new Canada-U.S. trade agreement could miss a deadline heading into the Labor Day weekend. And according to the Wall Street Journal, it did. No agreement reached today, and that means it'll be after the holiday before they get back to talking. But capping a low-volume late-summer week marked by tariff-related volatility, all three major U.S. indices looked set to show net gains for the period. The indices also on track to be up for the month of August, with the Nasdaq posting its largest monthly gain since January. Trade talks between Canada and the United States had yet to clear some remaining hurdles as negotiators struggled to meet a Friday deadline, and they did not meet. The volatility index at the CBOE, that's a gauge of anxiety and worry on the part of investors, moved higher on this and other trade developments, including a report that President Trump is prepared to impose tariffs on an additional $200 billion of Chinese imports as soon as next week. One analyst commented, Normally, when trading volume goes down, if you have some major headlines, the effect on the markets gets magnified. Amazon.com shares uh, continued to move upward, up three-tenths of a percent. Investors watching that company close in on its $1 trillion market share milestone. Apple was up 1.1% on track for posting a new high for five straight sessions. The Dow Industrial Average down 73 points for the day. It closed the day, the week, and the month at 25,913. The S&P 500 lost six points, closing at 28.95, and the NASDAQ Composite added seven points to end the day at 8,095. Of the 11 major sectors in the S&P 500, eight were trading lower. Some news made by companies today, Coca-Cola agreed to buy the coffee chain Costa from Britain's Whitbread for $5.1 billion, and its shares dropped 1.1%. Tesla, on its way to posting its fifth consecutive decline following news that fund manager BlackRock voted in favor of replacing Elon Musk with an independent chairman. Shares of gunmaker American Outdoor Brands were the top percentage gainer on the NASDAQ, the stock up 38%. 
after its upbeat earnings report today. Chipotle Mexican Grill still having its problems. Its shares extended their loss, uh, dipping uh, several percent uh, in the burrito chain. Ford Motor Company down 2.9%. That coming after scrapping a plan to sell a Chinese-made small vehicle in the United States due to tariff concerns. General Motors down 1.2% for the day on Wall Street. Now, let's take a look at the oil market, because U.S. crude oil production rose 231,000 barrels per day, or 2%, to a record 10,674,000 barrels in June. That, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration in its monthly report today. U.S. output has been closely watched by crude oil markets, which have contended with concerns about oversupply as oil production ramps up and trade tensions between the United States and China weigh on demand forecasts. And for the day, the benchmark Brent crude, Brent crude was down 35 cents, ending the day at $77.42, and U.S. crude slipped 45 cents to settle at $69.80 a barrel. What do we look for next week? Well, it's a short week. Markets, of course, are closed on Monday, Labor Day, and uh, they'll, at the Board of Trade, be resuming their overnight trading at the normal time Monday afternoon. But it is a busy holiday-shortened week, and a raft of economic data, including the August employment report scheduled for release. The Department of Labor expected to report Friday of next week, that non-farm payroll increased by 190,000 jobs in August after going up 157,000 in July. And the unemployment rate forecast unchanged at 3.8%. Also, a report from the Commerce Department likely to show that construction spending rebounded half a percent in July after dropping more than 1% in June. Commerce Department will publish July trade data, which is expected to show the trade deficit widening to $50 billion from $46.3 billion in June. And the ADP National Employment Report expected to show on Thursday that private payrolls increased by 190,000 jobs in August after rising by 219,000 in July. Navistar International reports its third quarter results on Thursday, and the truck maker is expected to report an increase in quarterly profit and revenue, boosted by higher demand for its trucks. U.S. truck makers are getting a boost as most haulers are now replacing older trucks with more fuel-efficient vehicles and buying more trucks following the implementation of electronic logging devices aimed at reducing long driver hours. Looking outside the borders, the Bank of Canada will announce its interest rate decision on Wednesday, and July trade balance figures for Canada are scheduled for release on Tuesday. 
And, as I said earlier, according to the Wall Street Journal, the uh, talks between the United States and Canada aimed at reaching a deal to revamp the North American Free Trade Agreement ended today with no agreement. Well, as I said, we were at the Farm Progress Show in Boone, Iowa, that got rained out opening day, but then good weather for the next two days and good crowds. And uh, so we're going to share quite a bit of what we talked about with dignitaries and people who were at the show, and we'll do that when we continue on the markets, sponsored by the CME Group. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence. The Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, joined us on stage at the Farm Progress Show in Boone, Iowa this week and talked to both Max Armstrong and me about current issues. Here is Max with his first question. So what's been the number one subject of the day as you visited with the folks? We could guess, but we'll let you tell us. Well, between trade and RFS, can you guess? Take one or two. But uh, anyway, I was telling the RFS crowd over there at the Sukup uh, tent that the president uh, didn't know I was going to be out here this morning, but called me just as I pulled in the gate and said, Sonny, we need to get that year-round E15 done. Let's get it done. That, that should be greeted warmly by some of the folks here, to be sure. That's right. Are you, so that's being sold across the board within the administration? Well, obviously it has been. This has been in the president's heart for a while. He knows what he committed here in Iowa during the campaign, and uh, we just had some hiccups with the uh, refinery group, and we're looking for the right balance there to get that done. But this is what he wants to do, and... Uh, he doesn't give executive suggestions. He gives executive orders. So uh, we're going to get it done. <laughs> I have to ask you, how have you kept track of the miles and the meetings that you've done in the past year? Because it's been phenomenal. I, the only secretary I can remember who traveled almost as much was Mike Johans when he was putting the farm bill together. But you're all over every week. 45 states since April of 17, and it's been great in every one of them. Or, in a, you know, you know this from your interviews and your career. Uh, you can go north, south, east, and west and see different kind of agricultural productions, but the great thing is the people are basically the same. They embody that great American spirit that built this country of risk-taking, entrepreneurship, hard work, American values of faith and family that are just inspiring to me everywhere I go. And this question, sir, with some agricultural groups and farmers saying uh, trade, not aid, how do you respond to that criticism? I say amen. Okay. <laughs> we all know there, there's not a... There's not a farmer in America, really, that had not rather have a good crop at a fair price and uh, rather than a government check. That's just the way they are. That's who we are as agriculturalists. But the fact is, when you make plans and you build a business to depend on 20% exports, then the president knew that. We're so productive, if there were no barriers across the world, we'd own the market. But that's why they keep our people out. 
and he says enough is enough if we're going to have free trade we're going to have fair trade and that's what the president is insisting he's getting people's attention a good announcement with mexico this last uh, uh, few days and hopefully we can get canada back into the fold by the end of the week or very quickly have a renewed nafta and then let's move on with our friends in eu japan and then make sure that china knows that uh, they need to come along as well i didn't hear much about the meeting between lower level negotiators from china and japan last week or china and the u.s last week Anything come out of that meeting? I think really the story is we're trying to lower expectations, but I think, again, the good news is that we're doing it at the foundational level of minister to minister right now, not upper level, trying to lay that groundwork of where we agree, where we don't agree. And they, you know, the worker bees usually work out all the details anyway, and we get to make the announcements kind of thing. But that's where I think that's uh, helpful, really, to start at that level again. We tried. Now, obviously, I believe that it's going to take the president and President Xi of China to close the deal and make the announcement. But I believe there's still good work going on. For farmers who were disappointed in the package announced the other day, is there more to come, Mr. Secretary? Well, there's, there's another tranche that will be later on, depending on how we resolve the tariff issues. And I explained to uh, Kevin and, and the guys with the corn growers the, the methodology that we had to use would be the same that we would have to go to WTO and litigate the tariff damages. We believe these retaliatory tariffs, tariffs are unfair, uh, that they are not legal, and that's the case that we would argue. We have to demonstrate what the tariff damage is. Obviously, I wish I could control uh, uh, corn prices and bean prices. We'd be at 12 plus and $5 corn if I could do that, but most people know that we're such good producers that we've got to oversupply, but the trade disruption part has to do with tariffs, and that's how the numbers came out. So that's the numbers we put out. I had a farmer come up to me this morning, and he was pretty strident, and he said, would you ask the secretary how we're going to get back our lost market share? Do you, do you get a lot of feedback from growers about this, that we've done irreparable damage long-term to our market share? I don't believe we've done irreparable damage long-term. The United States, when we get these trade disputes resolved, needs to identify and be known as a reliable supplier, and I think we will be. They know, the world knows we have high-quality products and, uh, and they can depend on and they know that uh, uh, we can produce. So I think, I don't believe there's been irreparable damage done. It may take a little while to get those markets back, but I think that's a legitimate question. I'm so proud of what you're doing with 4-H and FFA. You really are giving them strong support. You know, I think anyone who sees our young people involved in 4-H and FFA, uh, it just gives you a hope for the future. These, This is our future. And I tell those FFA and 4-H kids, you don't have to wait for the future. The future's right now. So lead out in your own efforts, whatever effort there. But these are smart young kids. A lot of people complain about the millennial generation. If they go to one of these conventions with FFA and 4-H, they'll see the real spirit of America is live and well. The Farm Bill, how crucial is it that we see results immediately? Well, everyone would like the certainty with the, with the anxiety over trade and where we're going there. Everyone would like to have the Farm Bill uh, uh, done uh, prior to September expiration. I know that both House and Senate and the administration is anxious to get that done. We've got a pretty good gulf between us though right now based on some issues, but uh, the conferees are meeting. 
I'm still hopeful that we can get it done. They are, they're asking USDA from time to time, uh, what happens if we do this? What happens if we do that? We provide that kind of technical assistance for them. So I think they're working hard. They understand that farmers need, uh, need an answer. They need to be able to plan going forward. The good news is I think it's going to be evolutionary rather than revolutionary. By and large, most production ag people are pretty comfortable. There are some tweaks. Our dairy product didn't do as well. Uh, we've tried to patch that up with the market protection program, margin protection program. Farm Bureau is coming out with a program. So I think you'll see more of the same. There will be a little tweaking over CRP issues and others, conservation titles. But by and large, the corpus is going to be much what they've been used to. If we're getting into the final days ahead of the deadline and things aren't moving very quickly, will you go up to the hill and try to bring people together and say, let's get this passed? Do I have to wait that long? <laughs> we're, we've been doing that along, and uh, obviously that's Congress's responsibility. We try to stay in our lane as far as uh, kind of like a good child speaking when spoken to about that. But they know how important it is. They know. They hear from their constituents. They know how important it is. But every time we're asked, we provide whatever help and encouragement that uh, we can. Is crop insurance going to survive? Uh, is Pat Roberts going to be chairman of agriculture? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, certainly crop insurance is going to survive. In fact, I think it will even get better. The more we, further we go along with uh, uh, better actuarial data, we can probably provide some crop insurance products for things that are specialty crops that we have not had as good of actuarial data so we can do a better job uh, uh, mitigating the risk and the rewards and losses and uh, in other crops. But yes, it will survive. Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue with an open discussion on many issues facing farmers and ranchers today. We thank the Secretary for joining us on stage at the Farm Progress Show in Boone, Iowa. And we'll go back to that show to talk a little bit about markets when we continue on The market sponsored by the CME Group. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence. We shortened our market segment this week because of all of the other activity at the uh, Farm Progress Show, but farm broadcaster Mike Adams did join us to share a little bit of conversation about what's happening in the marketplace with all of the trade activity. Here's Mike Adams. Joining us here at the Farm Progress Show is Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst for Robo AgriFinance. Steve, lots in the news these days for the markets to react to. Let's start with that U.S.-Mexico trade agreement. How, how do the markets view a deal like that? Well, it, it's interesting. You're absolutely right, Mike. There's just almost too much in the news to keep track of. But, you know, the markets have been a little ho-hum on the NAFTA thing. Uh, part of it because, you know, it's, it's sort of checking the boxes. Yep, this is what we did the last, you know, 28 years, whatever it's been, and we're going to do the same thing. No tariffs and no duties going forward. So I think, you know, that way the market's going maybe a little bit of a sigh of relief that, oh, it's done or we're moving forward. But at the same time, the markets are going, there's not a lot of detail. We don't really know, is there anything new or anything different than we do? So the markets, I think, a little expectation, or it's a little bit thinking, what's, is there another shoe to drop here? 
because we know things happen in this administration happen quickly. And of course, we're going into harvest now, and you're going to bring that pressure to the market as well. Well, and that's the other thing. I think we we get focused on NAFTA and China and TPP and all those sorts of things. But the fact is, when you look at harvest and what's in front of us, we have a big crop of, of corn and even a larger crop of soybeans coming in. The, and you look at the fundamentals, I think that's what the market's focusing on, and that's what it's trading. How much of that big crop do you think is already factored in? Oh, I think quite a bit of it. Uh, you look at yesterday, I know I, I caught a little glimpse of markets along the way. You know, we were pretty close to the contract lows for both new crop corn and new crop soybeans. So I think a lot of it's factored in. Uh, I think we're, we're kind of set into a trading range. We, we set the bottom early this year, and, you know, we set the top kind of when we got the, the August crop report. Steve, does it appear to you that the market is waiting for a little more substantial news about trade agreements? In other words, if we start to see... You know, Canada falling into place after Mexico has fallen into place and then talks about the Chinese negotiations. As we move closer to that first week of November, is the market going to get excited about that? Yes, I think maybe even before that, Max, because you look from a, from a soybean perspective, you know, our big push on soybean exports is in October. And I think the market's probably, that's where its biggest curve is China because it has the biggest impact, you know, from our export perspective. You know, corn, Mexico, you know, they're our number one customer. And so they're extremely important. But the fact is they don't, and I don't mean this derogatory to Mexico, but they don't really have a lot of other sources to go corn because they can bring it down. They have only, they have limited port access or port ability to bring in a lot of corn overseas. So that's going to keep happening. But the soybean, I think you're right, is that's the big, you know, the big nut that needs to be cracked. Even that, though, is kind of a longer-term picture, is it? I mean, the die is cast by these tariffs that have already yes. been placed for trade in the near term over the next few months. No, I think that's exactly right. I think even a longer term, as you mentioned, is that the fact is, you know, the U.S. now, that if you're a buyer of U.S. products, you've got a, a kind of a, a little bit of a cloud in your mind about, well, are they going to be reliable or is something going to change tomorrow that I won't be able to get the product I need? And I, I think that's a concern for me longer term. The China thing eventually gets solved, and U.S. soybeans will find their way to China, just not the most efficient way or the cheapest way. But the fact is, you've got now this doubt in, in buyers' mind: what what comes next? I know this is even longer term, but <laughs> you've watched this scene for so long. Yeah. Do you get the feeling, and I worry about this a little bit? Do you get the feeling we've done irreparable damage to our trade relationship with China in terms of market share loss to South America? Yeah, I, I think. I think you're absolutely correct, and, and I would agree with you. We've been at this a long time, and we've seen this story before, and it does concern me. But I will say the other thing is, when you look at the long-term trend of U.S. exports, we continue to lose market share in the world. And it goes back, I look back, you go to 2000, 2001, we were 45% of the world's exports of, of corn, soybeans, and, and uh wheat, and now we're under 30%. And South America and the Black Sea continue to be extremely difficult competitors for the U.S. But the big pie continues to grow, doesn't it? That's, that's right. That's exactly right. The pie gets bigger, and that's the one we want. We want the pie to grow. We don't want the pie to contract. So with all of the activity in the marketplace and in the trade talks and all of the other activity, plus taking a look at the latest in technology and equipment at the Farm Progress Show, what did the grain markets do? Corn and soybean futures up today. Traders covering short positions ahead of the long holiday weekend. 
But both commodities posted monthly declines as prospects for a large U.S. harvest weighed on prices. And we certainly heard about that large harvest at the Farm Progress Show. There were five or six state directors of agriculture on stage with us at one time, North Dakota, uh, Kansas, Oklahoma, Indiana, and Iowa, of course. And generally, they all reported that, yeah, they'd had some tough weather times, but that uh, we're generally looking at a crop that's going to equal or maybe surpass the numbers in that August crop report. So today, Board of Trade, December corn settled up eight and a half cents at 365 a bushel. November soybeans rose 12 cents at 843 and a half. And December wheat finished up 10 and a half cents at 545 and a half cents a bushel. So uh, despite the talk of the big crops and the big yields, apparently uh, the market uh, handled that talk pretty well. Funds were able to cover short positions after several days in which farmers sold old crop grain as delayed price contracts neared a deadline at month's end. Forced farmer selling came to a crescendo yesterday, and now that the DP contracts are out of the way, the market has been able to rally on fund short covering, according to that analyst. And others said that news the Argentine government planned to announce a set of new economic measures on Monday triggered speculation the moves might include grain export restrictions. Fresh export business brought support, too. The Department of Agriculture said private exporters sold 273,800 tons of U.S. corn and 250,000 tons of soybeans to unknown destinations. But again, where will we start the trade in the grain market on Tuesday? or I should say on Monday night for the overnight trade, well, the September wheat contract ended at 5.18 and a half a bushel, up 11 cents, and new crop December corn will start at $3.65 a bushel, up 9.5 for the day. November new crop soybeans will start the week on Tuesday at 8.43 and a half a bushel after gaining 14 cents for the day in the marketplace. Taking a look at uh, the livestock trade today, cattle futures moved lower. Traders locked in profits following two straight sessions of higher prices, and beef packers bought few animals in cash cattle markets. Expectations that meat packers might pay prices roughly steady with cattle sales of about $109 a week ago helped to propel futures prices higher on Wednesday and Thursday of this week. The uh, October live cattle contract finished down 30 cents at $108.77 a pound, and uh, CME September feeder cattle were off 72 cents to $149.50. A few slaughter weight cattle did sell in Nebraska at about 107 to 10750 per hundred weight. Some feedlots in Kansas and Texas still were holding out in the hopes of selling at $110 or more. What about hog futures to end the week? Well, 
They continued to move in the opposite direction of cattle, hogs rising on Friday after declining during the past two sessions. October lean hog futures jumped to dollar thirty cents to end the week at fifty forty two. Hogs had surged early this week on optimism of a speedy solution to the NAFTA talks but then eased back as it became clear that negotiations were likely to drag out beyond this week. And Mexico, the country that imports more U.S. pork than any other country, put a tariff on imports. A new deal could result in that tariff being removed. So it looks like we're going to continue to uh, deal with the trade retaliations uh, Well, who knows how long. Secretary Perdue didn't, and Bill Northey, the assistant secretary, said he couldn't put a calendar stop on it either. So anyway, have a good weekend for this Labor Day celebration, the meteorological end of summer, and harvest about to get underway. Along with Max Armstrong. And Mike Adams and the Secretary of Agriculture. I'm Orion Samuelson saying thank you for listening to the market sponsored by the CME Group. Mm-hmm.